Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call. Get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. This is Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. There's Saul Tlamachia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. All right, the, forget about forget about Shohei Itani. Forget about Shohei Itani. The only news this offseason that's important, the only news, Gibby. John Gibbons returns to the bench. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> hey, well, I hope you're right. Uh, you know what? Hey, Robert, it's good to see you, pal. You know what? You know, I'd been out a few years. I was doing some other things, venture, you know, in the podcast world and had a book. But you know, I really missed the field, you know. And, and um, when this opportunity came about, you know, I said, Here, here's my chance. You know, I was originally a New York Met. I spent uh, close to 20 years there as a player and a coach, you know, over, over time. And just kind of like it's it's a home to me. And, uh, you know, I didn't know Carlos Mendoza at all, um, but I, I really like the guy. You know, he, I'm really impressed by the guy. You know, he spent all these years. He knows what he's doing. You know, he, he worked for the Yankees. He's, he's got a good idea what he's doing. So it's it's almost an ideal fit, you know, that he was looking for somebody with some, some experience. And, uh, you know, here it is. So, so first of all, you better like him, and you better you. You gotta be nice to him. He better like me is probably the right right <laughs> phrase. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so, so, uh, and how did it come about? Like, how does this happen? Like, you're you're cruising. You're a best selling author. You you're dominating the podcast world. Like, I am? Oh, yeah. Well, let's just say you are. And okay. you've come as as we've documented many times on this podcast. You've you really like you're really good at it. You've always been good at it. Um, you seem to be settled in. And I know that you had was the Red Sox the last interview you had like that thing, or did you have a, no? You had other interviews. Well, no. After after that year with you know when Cora was suspended, I had one more, but it was with the Marlins last year. Oh, okay. I ended up going to Schumacher, and that worked out well too. You know. It was Houston before that. Then I went two weeks later to the Red Sox because they were both on probation. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. You know, so, but we but actually that, had we actually had on Zach Scott. He said he liked you a lot. That he was part of the Red Sox interviewing thing. So okay, 
Well, yeah. that's good to hear. Like, yeah. But not, but not good enough. Uh, well, you like me a lot, but not that much. But you know who else was? You know who else was part of that? You were going against Carlos Mendoza. You realize that? Is that right? He entered yeah. your really okay. Yeah, yeah, he was in the mix. Yeah, okay. so him, Sam Fold, and um, somebody else. But anyway, I want to know how this came about. Tell me. Well, you know, Rob, it's it's funny. You know, when it, when it, when I saw he first got hired, you know, and I knew he you know he hadn't managed in the big leagues yet, but he, he's got a great reputation. I thought maybe they'll maybe they'll look for somebody you know with some experience as a bench coach, right? And uh, so lo and behold, it wasn't it was a few weeks ago or a week before it all kind of started rolling. Demarlo Hale, my old, you know, the old Red Sox, Demarlo yeah. Hale, my, my and my bench coach, he called me. He said he was talking to uh, Carlos. He wanted, you know, and, and uh, he was asking about me, and could I pass your number along? I said definitely, you know. And then, uh, and then a couple other coaches called me, said, "Hey, I was talking to Mendoza. Can I pass your number along?" I said, "I'd love to." So he called. We 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 touched base. I was really impressed re- impressed with the guy, and I, and I liked him. You know, you could you kind of tell when you hit it off with people yeah. right away. You know, yeah. And others you don't. And uh, so that's kind of how it started. And obviously, you know, I guess he he liked me enough, or I sounded good on the phone or something. And then uh, next thing you know, I, I talked to David Stearns and then uh, a couple other guys in their front office. And then, you know, that's how it all came a bit about. You know, I didn't call, I didn't make any calls. They kind of reached out, but he was he was hunting around for somebody I think with experience through his contacts in the game. So, and I had enough guys on my side. You're a lot of guys on your side, my friend. But it's it's but he would never talk to him before that phone call, huh? You didn't know him at all. No, you know, I knew of him from the Yankees. Yeah, you no, know, I, I'm. Maybe in passing, you know, he said hello back then when when he first started out and I was still around, but no, that was it. So how has, I guess the question is, baseball changed even, when was your last year? Last year. Eight, 18, oh yeah, it's changed. 18, holy mackerel, Gibby. Baseball's changed a lot, right? <laughs> and we've, we've had, we've done multiple podcasts about how it has changed. So... In those conversations, I, after the sort of get to know you, how you doing, there there is an element of, well, do you understand how baseball has changed? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, there's no doubt about it. You know, uh, you know, my last year in there in Toronto, you know, uh, analytics had been – it was, was coming on the scene, but it, it was really starting to roll, right? And, and, uh, and I think I got a reputation of being anti-analytics, which wasn't, wasn't true – you know, I, I baseball has always been about numbers to me in a lot of ways, but I, you know, I just didn't hadn't take didn't take it to the extreme like they do, you know. Yeah. And uh, but I also understood it because it's been good for the games, but I I do think we've gotten carried away with it. There's no question, no doubt in my mind. And so yeah, that was one of the questions we talked about. And you know, Carlos is a good baseball guy. You know, he he understands the analytics part of, it, but he also understands the human element. You know, and you know the rest of the guys that I talked to the same way. You know, if if they hadn't, I'm sure I wouldn't be there, right? Um, but it's still a game played by human beings. But numbers tell you so so much. But there's also on any given night, you know, you got you got to, you know, you got to trust what you're seeing too. You know, and um, and because we've seen many examples over the last few years, of we'll all be watching a game. I don't know how many you've you've watched a heck of a lot more than I did, and you're going. I mean, they're taking that. Why are they taking that guy out? Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. And then, meanwhile, you look down the bullpen; those guys are all going, "Oh no, 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 no!" You know, so you're killing, you're you're killing those guys out. There. So, but you know, uh, 
there is so much, a lot of good information out there. I don't think there could be any, any more secrets out there for crying out loud. No. It's, it's, no. But, but then, you know what? I mean, it's a perfect example is Bruce Bochy comes back. You know, he had a lot of success going in. So, I mean, he's a special guy anyway. But, you know, that kind of, I think that kind of wakes people up. You know, Dusty Baked Dusty when he, in his years in Houston, they were very successful. So there's a lot of that. Uh, even, even your, your guy, Cora, man, I think Cora's a good balance, you know, and, and, uh, um, so I think you need that. I I, re- I really do. I think baseball is kind of waking up to that a little bit more. What are you? Are you nervous about anything? Going back, driving? No, driving on that. Uh, yeah, that's, that's highways in New listen, York. City. This isn't. This isn't like taking pictures of buffaloes in Wyoming's or whatever. You know. Uh, I'm after after you there. Me be, be begging to go back to Wyoming. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but no, I, you know it's it's I'm not because this. I, I'm going to ask you what you're most excited about, but I want to ask you what, like, because anytime you go to a, even, even though you're familiar with a from the Mets with how, like, 40 years ago or whatever it was, that's great. But like four minutes ago, baseball was different than it is now. It seems right. So, yeah. are, so as you as you head to Port St. Lonely, um, are you nervous about anything? No, Rob. You know what? Uh... I still think I can re- relate to players, you know. I uh, I think so too. I, I think, by the way, I think yeah. Like, this is I want to before you answer your question. I'm here to build you up. I'm going to tell you. Oh, you like, always have. Yeah. Now listen. I mean, this is this is I, I love this hire for the Mets um, because I know you and I know what you've done and I know what you will do and that you just said it like you can relate to human beings. And at the heart of it, that's the most important thing. That said, what are you most more nervous about? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, I'm not. I mean, I'm a grandfather, grandfatherly age to some of these guys, but like I said, I, I can I can relate to them. I, I think, I, you know, I've seen enough baseball to understand how it's it's work, works and how it's played, and, and when it's played the right way. And, and really, when it comes down to it, if you if if you play the game better than the other team. And you know you you have as much talent as they do. You're probably going to do all right. You know if you don't have as much talent as the other team, it ain't going to matter much anyway, right? In a lot of ways. I mean, and and uh, but I, and I also uh, uh, you know I also understand now that you know I'm I'm not the boss. You know Carlos is going to be making decisions. But when he we ask me my opinion, I'm going to give him an honest you know honest opinion. I think I think that that's what's going to make it really work well. But I think I've you know. Uh, Going back to the Mets, yeah, it has been a long time, but it's amazing you, you being a, a Bostonian there, brother. How that '86 team, even I was there two months, lives on, man. You know, wow. I mean, they can't get rid. Of, it's it's like you know, uh, it's it's incredible. So there's still that association. You know, that'll probably never die. You know, it's just one of those. Well, like crazy when you're things. hired, people are saying former Met John Gibbons returning makes his triumphant <laughs> return. And they go, yeah, who? They realize they got like 14 at bats in 1986. That's <laughs> all right. You were around. Uh, so, how does the dynamic, and I've always been interested in this, the dynamic of a bench coach and manager, right? It's, and I've seen Gibby, I've seen some bad dynamics. I've seen some really good ones, as you have as well. From your perspective, what's that like? Well, you know what? You know, I, I've had a couple of different bench coaches. Then I, when I got fired from Toronto the first time, I went to Kansas City and worked. Uh, my first manager was Trey Hillman. And when he got fired, Ned Yost came in. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was my first experience in that role, right? 
and with Trey, Trey and I were old friends. So we were a little closer. We talked more about things. Ned, Ned didn't need a lot. You know, Ned had been doing it in Milwaukee, you know, and he'd come up through the Braves, you know, good baseball guy. And then even when in Toronto, you know, being an ex-catcher, I've always considered my strength. You know, I know, I know the pitcher staff, right? I got, I got a feel of that. So, and I, and I think the, that's the nuts and bolts of the game. What's going on on the mound, right? And the, so, generally, I was, I was uh, spend more time talking about the pitching with the pitching coach, and then of course my bench coaches. We, I talked to him about it, but it, that was kind of our focus there. And the bench coach, and even when when I was doing it, and when I was a manager, you know, I, you know, if like possible pinch hitting times coming up, pinch running, gonna we're gonna pinch defense, you know, late in the game, little things like that, or. You know, uh, because a, a manager can get his blinders on, man. You walk, you're locked into the game. Yeah. I mean, and we're all different, obviously. I mean, we don't all, you know, there's no set way to do it. But like, if you're if you're a manager that, that really concentrates on the pitching, like probably most, you're watching that, and so there's a lot of things going on in that field. You get caught up in that, so you, you want to get bless you. Thanks. So you want your bench coach, man. You know, he, he's got, he's like he's managing the game, but he's not making the decision, right? And then, uh, but you also got to fit it. it uh, you know, it's with me and Carlos now, it's going to depend on what he wants. You know, I'm not going to ram anything down his throat. I think he should do this. I think you do. No, you don't want that kind of guy, you know, mm. always looking over his shoulders. And because in the end, he's got to, he's got to feel good about the decisions he makes. And, you know, you know, I got to earn his trust, you know, and, uh, and, and hopefully that works out. And, but, you know, you don't become a manager in the big leagues in not, not knowing the game, right? So there's, you remember, I don't, when did, do you even know the first year they even had started having a bench coach? I don't know. Oh, that's what, it's a idea? good question. So I know the I know that they had it in the early nineties because I the one that I remember was when Butch Hobson took over, he had Don Zimmer as his bench coach. But certainly not too like the Mets didn't have a bench coach when no, you, no. no, they didn't. No, not in the, yeah. not in the so probably like 80s. late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. Yeah, I I would guess. You know, but now they a, have fifty hitting coaches and fifty pitching oh, coaches. Oh gosh, <laughs> exactly. I'm surprised they don't have an assistant bench coach. Oh, no. <laughs> well, I guarantee you one thing down there in Texas, nobody. But the, the bench coach down there in Texas, I, I don't even know him, and I don't want to. Be oh, Will Venable, yeah, yeah. Oh, Will's probably all he's going to do is marking the uh, the lineup card, who makes the last out, because Boat's probably eight. yeah. Boat's got it figured out. Yeah, it's it's. Well, I want to come back to what you said. Either you have the good players or you don't. One podcast you did with me was you said something, and it was like, you know, listen, the best – I forget how you phrased it, but it was that. Listen, you could have all these good players, but the best players are always going to win. That's how, just how it is. The best players are going to win. So yeah, over the long haul. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for Well, I can long, tell you my best, the best way I ever heard it. Yeah, big Frank, big Frank Howard. God bless him. You know, one of the most beloved guys ever in the game. You know, I was sitting in spring training. He was a, he was a coach with the Mets, and I was coaching the minor leagues. And I was it was actually after the game because he, he'd hang around forever. We were talking, and he said to me one day, he said, "Son, he says when you he, out of the blue, he said, son, when you look in your dugout, you see two or three cannons. He said, when you look in the other dugout over there, and you see five or six cannons. He goes." Son, you may win a battle, but you ain't winning no war. And I said, that's it summed up. So talk to them. Don't blame me. 
Talk to the GM. Yeah. So that's the exact example that I was trying to remember. There it is. That was it. So the good thing for you, because I've said this about bench coaches, like I don't, I would love to see you manage again. And I'm sure you would love to manage again. Like, this, that's not, you don't have to say if you do or you don't, because this is your focus now. It's fine. So, but with a bench coach, I've seen bench coaches where they are hot commodities. And I'm not saying this is for your situation, but you're hot commodities because you win. And then a couple of years where you lose. And then all of a sudden, wait a second, you're the bench coach for the last place team. Like, who cares? I, like, that doesn't sell. But ultimately, if you have good players, you're going to be a bench coach for a really good team. I think that you have, you're a bench coach for a good team. That's the good part. Right? I agree. I agree. You know, and and uh, you know, you got an owner that wants to win. You know, you got a new president, David Stearns, running. He's got a great reputation, and and you know, did everything uh, on the cheap over there in Milwaukee. It was very successful. You know, now he's now he's put in there with the the owner that's determined to win. It can only can you know. There's no guarantees, but it can it it, it sure is lining up to be a successful operation. And plus, they, you know, it's a good. I mean, the team won over 100 games just two years ago. They get a lot you know, of cannons. The core. They get a lot yeah. of cannons. They do. No I think. They, and and you know what? I don't know how much of a deep dive you've taken into sort of the guys coming up. They got because they traded all those guys. They have some good young guys coming up too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I would have taken a, a bench job for some, uh, you know, team that you figure is going to lose a hundred games. You know, they probably wouldn't have wanted me anyway. I wouldn't think, but you know, so you know, I, I didn't need the job that bad. <laughs> but you're smart. That's why you're smart. It's again, I'll come, I'll come back to it. Where, um, I don't, I don't. There's a couple examples I have, but one of them was when Tori Lovello was. They won the 13 World Series. And he they he wasn't allowed to interview with the Cubs, so he stays with the Red Sox, and then they finished last. And really, he got back on the radar because unfortunately John Farrell came down with cancer, so Lavelle had to take over. Did really well, got the job in Arizona, and I think he's a really good manager. But uh, yeah, so it's good. I mean, good way of thinking. You got to win games. You got- oh yeah, that you know what, Rob. Winning solves everything. Winning cures everything. You know, when, when that's how people make the reputation in the game. You know, you get, you're known as a winner or you're known as a loser, you know, or maybe in between. If you're like some day, some years are good. That's just, that's just the way it is. And some guys, uh, you know, I like when I started out in Kansas City, you know, Trey Hillman was first time manager there. They had no players. The players were coming. You, they knew that. So guys almost are hired to get fired in certain situations. It's, it's going to happen, right? I mean, that's. But but very rarely do uh, guys starting out get, get to take over established teams that are in good shape. You know that's kind of the ultimate dream, but it doesn't. You don't get that opportunity that often. So. Do you have to? Do you have to organize spring training? No, thank God. <laughs> hey, yeah, like you said a minute. You said bench, a minute coaches, ago, bench gotta, coaches have to do that sometimes, right? Well, I well I know I didn't do it in Kansas City. It's funny you used to say that though, because I told Carlos. Actually, we were talking. I said, "Hey, listen, uh, uh, do, do I am I supposed to ask them? Am I supposed to organize spring training? I don't know if you want me to, especially your first year managing. You probably want this run right. I'm probably not. I've never done it. I don't want to do it. It's too." And he said, "And he told me, no, you know, nowadays every, they get there's a specific coach that always does that." You know, I said, "Oh, I still, I've still got a chance at this job." 
there's a lot to that, man. Oh, you know I mean? that's what oh. I said. Give me, like, let's focus. Let's, you know, find the house in Port St. Lucie, you know, get used to the hours again. I don't know what time you've been waking up, but spring training's really early. So, yes. but, you know, yeah. get, get your feet under you. Dominate as the bench coach. Let somebody else organize spring training. So there you yeah. go. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, you know, I like to consider myself I have a good mind. My my mind doesn't work that way, though. It's, you know, the, mm, yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you, go, so this is this is like, this is a straight ball right down the middle for you. The last time you were the Mets, there must be a lot of good memories slash stories, right? <laughs> oh, that group? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was a fly on the wall, but yeah, you're but right. You're that's right. almost better. That's so <laughs> I just saw I just saw give me I just saw a video clip on Twitter of Wall uh, it must be I don't know, maybe it was a couple of years ago of a Wally Backman rant to his team, right? Oh yeah, Wally's a legend. Right. But I mean, it's like it's legendary, right? So, but this is the reason I bring this up is like this is literally the last time you were a Met this whole scene. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. You know, and obviously you couldn't get away with things like that nowadays, you know, team wise and everything. You know, and think about that. It was in New York city, but at, at that time, at that day and age, that's what was so appealing about that group, you know, and, and, and being in that city, you know, and you've been starved for a winner for years and, you know, all the big personalities. And that's why that, it's amazing how that, that team will live on forever. I don't care how many world series they win. That, that'll always be probably, the top, you know, and of course, the the way in which they won in '86, beating you guys. Yeah, well, you know, the, uh, I wasn't part of the team. I was in no, high but, school. Dude, if hey, if you're from Massachusetts in that area, you're part of the team for crying out loud. Your whole life, <laughs> get a life. That's just your whole life. Which, by the way, I should mention uh, from Massachusetts, Joe Castiglione in the Hall of Fame. He's one. Of, you're one of his favorites. He may, oh, he, Big Joe. He may include you in the Hall of Fame speech. I would not be surprised. Big Joe, when it went, I didn't know that. Yeah, just the other day, just announced. I get, oh, I got, I got to, oh, I got to call him. Man. Oh, yeah, Joe Castiglione. Couldn't happen to a better man. Well, you're on Team Joe. I know that you're on Team uh, Joe. You and I, Rich Hill. I'm president, honored in president, vice president. Are you gonna? I here's the random thoughts that come to my mind. Are you gonna wear your uniform top? I don't know if bench coaches. So managers almost never wear it, right? But I don't know if they make bench coaches wear because you were one of the first to wear the uh, the pullover. You and Francona, right? So right. Well. Probably for different reasons. Uh, Tito was always in good shape. Mine, I, my, mine was to cover my gut, man. When I tucked in my uni, it's to, you know I'm not as slim as you. It would all, and now it's kind of working its way I remember, back. I remember asking you about it because Francona had become a big deal because Bob Watson said like well, you're wearing your pajamas and Tito didn't like that. And I said, oh, but give me you. It's like, oh, I'm just doing because I I can't tuck in my shirt or something. Yeah, my, my, my there was no there was there was, there was nothing nothing sinister about mine. It was just. <laughs> You know, it's a little easier like this. But they didn't, you know, like up in Canada, half the time, the commissioner's office, they don't even notice what's going on. So that's why. <laughs> Just the thing to think, what number? Do you even know what number you are? What, you know, what? when I was with the Mets, coming, you know, as a player, I try. I don't know. I tried every number there was, and none of them worked. You know, so I'm just, hey, whatever they give me, I'll be glad. I'm okay. glad I'm there. All right. You know? 
All right. Well, you, yeah, it's not like you have a number and you have to, get to buy it off Pete Alonzo or something like well, that. Yeah, and it, well, it's not like he's going in the Hall of Fame either. Well, like one day, like Johnny Bench number five. I tell you what, it's in the baseballs and boring Hall of Fame. I'll tell you that. So there you go. The what player, what Mets player? Here's a cliche question, but still, people in New York will like it. What Mets player or players are you most looking forward to just sitting down and talking to? Well, like you said, Alonzo. You know, I've been watching him on that home run hitting contest. You know he's a he's a he's a special guy. What he does, right? He's got he's got that gift, you know. And I, and I heard he's an interesting guy. Lindor, I was always a big fan when he was in, in Cleveland. He's no so I go for the big boys, man. Yeah, I know. It's like, he, he, hey, no, hey, Robbie, you got to win the big boys over first, man. You know what I mean? Well, for a lot of reasons, because the per diem will only go so far in the big meals, the big steakhouses. So that's right. yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's, you, you, Whoever whoever makes the most money pays for the bill, Gibby. That's exactly right. That's yeah. way, but you know another name, Senga. You know, I with you know he came from Japan, had yeah. a big big year for him, and I've always you know I had Kawasaki. He was oh. from Japan and loved him to death. They hit it off. We're still like buddies on Instagram. So yeah, you know that culture. And those they've always I've always been intrigued by them, and, and uh, you know, uh, yeah, it's just a good group. It's a talented group, and uh, you know, I'm just hopefully I can help out. A guy who's come on the podcast a few times who I've loved talking to is Brandon Nemo. He was he's been there's so, no yeah. And by the way, he wears a baseballs and boring T-shirt. So there's I'm going to give this. Uh, I'm going to make sure that you have plenty of those to distribute throughout the clubhouse in Mets colors. So there you go. Well, hey, no, you're you're right. it isn't boring, but that depends on who you ask out there. Uh, it's you know sometimes. You, well, well, you bring up so. Again, well, hold on. Hey, hey, if you see me, if you see me, the camera on me in the in the in the dugout, I'm, <laughs> make sure I probably don't have your shirt on. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so that's another thing, right? When when you sit there and listen, you you were busy podcasting and writing books. You didn't get a chance to watch games every single day. When you sit there and watch these games, Gibby, you're gonna be like, these things are going by quick, like. You know, you you got to be on you another thing. Get, like, get on the phone, Gibby. Give me the thumbs up or gut thumbs down. Are we gonna yes. replay this, baby? Like all this stuff. This stuff happens quick. Now you're right. You're right. Hey, but you know what? I I had the honor of managing Mark Burley, so I liked the oh. quick games, and I saw it plenty of times. <laughs> That's what you said. I got a feeling that might have come up when Carlos Mendoza says, "Hey, you know this game is quick." Hey, I had Mark Burley. Come on, let's go. <laughs> You know, but but even on the uh, to show how the game is so different now, everybody loves Burley because he was so fast and he was so good, right? Yeah. You know, Burley never went to a, a scouting meeting with the. You know, he, a lot of people don't realize this. He never shook off a sign in his career. He said maybe once, and he went through all these kids. Yes, when he first came to Toronto in the trade from the Marlins. Yeah. I'd heard that, and I asked me. I said, "That's crap. There's no way possible." I watched him. He never shook off. He didn't, because he says, "You know what? If the if the kid if I locate this and put you know put it in the spot the catcher wants it, it shouldn't matter what I throw, right?" Right. And I'm I'm telling you, Rob, he he never he never did. So he so his thinking was, well, "Why do I have to go to that scouting meeting with the pitching coach and the catcher? Because I'm just going to throw whatever he wants, it, you know." And that's what he did. So there's there's another analytics dream right there. <laughs> You know who's like that? Now, I don't know if they go to scouting meetings, but I know that it's Sale. Chris Sale does 
and they were on the same team, I think. So, yeah. Yeah, so, that's right. That's yeah. Right. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Two totally different guys. One guy's going to overpower you. The other guy's going to finish you today. No, no. It's but it's, it's going to be a good team. It's going to be a good year. Um, I, uh, the, you, you, and you can spread your book. You can basically have people like promote your book, the players. Oh, no, no, man. I ain't oh. doing that. Oh, come on. You got to do a signing in the Port St. Lucie, Barnes and Noble. <laughs> Hey, I'm there for some good hard-nosed baseball to help to help the Metros get back to the glory years. I love it. Well, like I said, there's no better person to bring them there. I'm so happy for you, man, and and uh, you're you're obviously you know you're one of the best. So I'm I'm well, happy. I appreciate it, man. Hey, I'm happy. I'm not, go go ahead. ahead. I love it when you're stroking me. Keep it going. No, no, I'm here to build up because yeah. you know what? A couple injuries away from feeling pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't know if we play in Boston this year or they come to New York. I'm not even I don't sure. know. I'm gonna go there. I went I, I made a habit. I like going around that team uh a few different times. I liked uh I like talking to guys. Talk I got a chance to talk to um like I said, Nimmo. Brett Beatty was a good guy talking to. I think it's a it's a good clubhouse from what I understand. A, a good friend of mine, Tim Breton, covers the athletic them for the athletic. Um so I, I think it's it's going to be a good time. Other than being on basically in in Alaska in terms of spring training, I mean it's the worst. It's the worst, absolutely. Hey, well you know yeah I did I, I was I was there when that thing opened up. We, like I said, we called it Port Port St. Lonesome, but now it's boom though. It's oh really? And no, it hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what Carlos told you, Gibby? You come here, at Port St. Lucie. It's like it's like it's like. It's like Paris of the, of Florida. It's great. No, have you met Have you met Carlos face to face yet? Not yet. <laughs> but hey, but hey, this is this is 2023, baby. Zoom. It's just like yeah, this. Yeah, listen, might I, as well. I haven't seen you in 20 years, but yeah, I feel like I no, yeah. exactly. Yeah. All right, man. You look I better. Appreci- I appreciate it. Hey, Robbie, my pleasure, pal. I appreciate everything you've done for me, and I look forward to seeing you. All right. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.